Hey, 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 and welcome to another episode of Movies We Missed. I am your host, Brandon Greenhouse, alongside my lovely co-host, Jane Natalie Hammer. And uh, before we get into the episode this week, I do want to let everybody know I've been getting a lot of fan mail. Um, mm. uh, some of it has been positive. Um, there has Good. been a few... Um, I don't know if the word stalker is considered like politically correct at this point, or if it's got sort of such a negative connotation that we should just like aggressive follower or like. <laughs> Wait, um, hold on. How could this, how could the word stalker be unpolitically correct in this woke climate? <laughs> you know, but the you just, stalker is like the person who's like victimizing another person. But like, or like maybe instead of maybe is it like are we calling them now like a, like a thick shadow? <laughs> a professional follower no <laughs> yeah like, it's still stalker it's or still like, stalker or like that person was like after i broke up with him he was heavily present um, <laughs> heavily present <laughs> if you're being victimized i think you're allowed to use the word stalker in fact you should because laws against stalkers aren't good enough he took up an overwhelming amount of space in my life after um yeah after I, after i told him not to <laughs> after i told uh, after i told him not to um his presence became apparent mm. over his presence became overly his presence became overly apparent mm. Mm. which is saying a lot since i didn't even want like a little bit of it yeah um i was i i i was full of his presence. I, I feel like we're moving into dangerous territory, number one, because we might be making light of stalkers. You're right, you're right. I'm sorry. This <laughs> is what I was af- this is what I was afraid of. Um <laughs> so yeah, sorry. That's um, okay. Do you want to say the socials? Yes. So everybody knows you can follow us on Instagram. You can find us on Facebook at Movies We Missed. And um we're always checking in and we're always you know, being super aware of everything that's going on with the internet and we with those be accounts. be more on top of our DMs. No, no. I'm on top mm-hmm. of all of it all the mm-hmm. time. I wake mm-hmm. up in the middle of the night, usually in night sweats. And when my sleep paralysis demon lets me go, the mm-hmm. first thing I do is reach for my phone to see what's going on um, on the accounts. And a lot of the feedback of has course. been uh, <laughs> uh, not positive. Uh, you know, but, but every oh, now and then we get a really good okay. one that's like, doing super job, keep that up. And so those are the ones we really lean into. Yeah, you know? the, those I just, are the only ones I pay attention to. I forward the negative stuff to Jane, really, and just sort of like, let go and let God. So, yeah, and it's sort of a... It'll figure itself out, you know? It's one sort of, those of an stitches. assault, but, <laughs> you know, it's okay. But, you know, Jane, you look, well. you look amazing today. You are you. giving us, like... Kind of like Christian, you know, soccer mom who's got a couple of things to do and some doorways to darken um, <laughs> down at the local Planned Parenthood. Um, she's got some really, really like staunch sort of like opinions on things. And mm-hmm. she is, for all intents and purposes, immovable. So for you guys can't see me, obviously, because this is a podcast. But Yeah, because um... it's sound. Like it's sound and not visual. I don't know if you guys knew that about what you're consuming right now, but mm-hmm. I am wearing a crew neck sweatshirt with a ribbed turtleneck and I'm wearing gold necklaces on outside of the turtleneck and I have a very like nineties haircut right now. And so it's very much giving like mid Midwestern mom just baked a batch of cookies for the CTA. 
For the CTA? Why is it for the Chicago Transit Authority? <laughs> I meant PTA. <laughs> I mean, shout out to our CTA, to our Chicago Transit Authority workers out there. Yeah. I'm sure they, I don't know actually if they'd love cookies. They may be like, that should wait for like, you. What's in here? Are you trying to poison? <laughs> they, that's what they should be. Um, Jane, I do have a question about the turtleneck. Yeah. Is it, is it, whose pleasure is it ripped for? <laughs> it's for everybody's pleasure, I think. I feel okay. good about it, and, I, and I'm and i hoping you feel good about it, too. Do Which you? leads us right into... Uh, I feel okay about it. Which leads us right into <laughs> Jane's um, Jane's new venture. She's dappling in OnlyFans now. Um, it's mostly just foot stuff, right? Uh, sure. It's a lot mostly. of foot stuff, and then the people that are really into um, nagging are going to be fed. Because <laughs> um, it's a lot of just Jane sort of like sharing opinions with the world. I do personal videos where I will send, you know, for a price, of course, um, I'll send you something where um, I sort of cosplay following you around your house and asking um, what you're going to do after you put something down. Does that go there? Shouldn't that go in another cabinet? Are you going to pick up your socks? When was the last time you showered? Stuff like that. Really, so questions really that fun. Jane needs to be asking herself. She's asking <laughs> you. And I know that there's a word of the, woke word of the day where Jane, every day, she emails you uh, <laughs> the new word that you can no longer say. Um, and just sort of like gives you historical context for why not. So it's a blast. I've been enjoying all of the... Um, People I did unsubscribe it. from the emails, but it's not People because I wasn't it. loving it, you know? There's nothing better than a liberal white woman like myself telling you what you can and cannot say. And it it goes really well at a party. People love it. Um, my friends really enjoy it. I think they've given me a very, very, very cute nickname, which I think we probably saw on the podcast before, the woke police. And I think people really love that about me. I love that about you. My favorite thing is when you mess mm-hmm. up. And I can <laughs> shove it back in your face. Um, because because instead of... In, because it's a competition, of course. Instead of just making everybody in the world feel safe. Right? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, instead of all of that. It's about shoving it back in your face. And reminding you... <laughs> that you... You are sitting atop a very... Very... What's the word I'm looking for? I don't know. Precarious I'm... throne. Oh, precarious. Yeah. <laughs> Those soapboxes cave in easily. So <laughs> just got to be careful out there. Um, but you know, Jane, mm-hmm. uh, I I mm-hmm. did give you a movie um, mm-hmm. to watch this week. Um, you did. Mm-hmm. I did. I gave you a movie. Um, it's from 1988. It uh, sure is. <laughs> which was the year you got your, that was the year you got your master's, wasn't it? <laughs> um yeah if they let babies get masters <laughs> okay um and uh, it's the 1988 uh 1988 classic mm. uh that that big business uh that was big unfortunately business. released right around the same time as the tom hanks film big so uh yeah oh, was it yeah, it was like a whole box office thing when people would come in because it was like, which movie do you want to see? Oh, that's um, so funny. You know my uncle was in Big, right? I Yeah, I do remember you telling me that. That's so cool. Mm-hmm. Do you, uh, you want to talk about it at all? 
Yeah, it's my uncle Gary. He um, unfortunately passed away, but he was for a while um, in a lot of movies in the 90s. And he had just a small part in Big, but, you know, it was a very important part where he told Tom Hanks, or not Tom Hanks, the kid who was playing Tom Hanks. Fred Savage. Couldn't. Was it Fred? No, it wasn't Fred Savage. Did I just make that up? Absolutely not, Fred Savage. I can picture the kid in my head, but I don't know who it is. Why did I think Fred Savage? (laughs) I don't know why. I don't know, Brandon. I can't. I can't answer that for you. Not 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 every white child actor is Fred Savage. So, I gave Jane the 1988 classic Big Business to watch this mm-hmm. week. Um, and yeah, I wrote a little bit of, of a synopsis. I'd like to share it with her. I would send it over to you and have you read it. But Oh, no. I, Brandon, the last thing I want to do is take any of your shine. Take your moment, you know? No, I think I will. I'm going to send... Oh, wait. It's in Latin. So, I guess that means you're out. Because you can't read Latin. Okay. Well, I'd love to know. And this is this is just... Um, this is just a clarification for our listeners who mm-hmm. I think the majority of them, they don't speak Latin as far as I know. Yeah, that's Latin right. is, is very much considered a dead language. So there's not wow. People, okay. Not a lot of people who are fluent in Latin. So if you hear sort of a whole, um, synopsis read in Latin, what do you expect our listeners to to have, what percentage of our listeners do you expect to um, be able to grasp what's happening? Look, all I can really tell you about mm-hmm. our listeners is that I know that they're globetrotters. I know that they are learned. <laughs> I know that they're super intelligent because they're smart enough to keep listening to this podcast. Absolutely. One of the top rated I... podcasts in the world. In this um, apartment. And I and agree so, with you. Yeah. And I, and I don't know. I don't, have a, I don't have an answer for you. I don't have a quiz for you. But I can just say to my listeners out there that do know latin vinnie mm-hmm. verivici baby um <laughs> and the real ones are gonna know what that means okay well carpe diem then i guess please go right ahead oh god come up with your own trend what? so i'm gonna go ahead and i'm gonna <laughs> read you think this. you came up with latin as oh, a trend god it's just like because you're it's... like a thousand years <laughs> too late your your words you're the one who said that i was a trendsetter who made latin hot again and uh you know, I acquiesce. <laughs> if you if you seize it that way, <laughs> then tell you you're gonna call it. Um, and I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna read it over to you. And since Jane is so against me reading it in Latin, I'll I'll read it in the language that Jane will get. I'm gonna read it in the peasants' okay. English, okay? And okay, so, so you're translating this in real time from Latin to what you're referring I, to. It's written in Latin. I'm gonna translate it as the words come out of my mouth. It will be a live translation happening. Oh, wow, what a skill. Okay, please, I'd love to hear it. Yeah, I got some other ones too. Anyway. <laughs> Sadie and Rose Shelton are running a multi-million dollar conglomerate called Moramax. This company was the brainchild of their father, wealthy tycoon Hunt Shelton. Sadie is career-minded and goal-oriented, while Rose is emotional and at times prone to flights of fancy. Her value system does not always align with that of her dogged and career-minded sister Sadie. Sadie is all about that money and sees nothing wrong with mergers that could spell fortune, even at the expense of the misfortune of the have-nots who labor in her factories. Her latest goal? Offload the small furniture factory in Jupiter Hollow, West Virginia called Hollowmade that her father purchased years ago. A name like Hollowmade doesn't really give you confidence in furniture construction, but hey, who am I to judge? 
Anyway, Sadie wants to offload this company, which would spell disaster for the small town of Jupiter Hollow, where the factory serves as a main source of income for many of the residents. What Sadie doesn't fully understand is that this factory has familial roots that run deeper than she could ever imagine. You see, years earlier when her father and mother were traveling home, her 40-week pregnant mother unexpectedly went into premature labor in Jupiter Hollow. When they stopped in the nearby Hollowmade Hospital, they were informed that this particular establishment was only for Hollowmade factory employees. So what did Hunt Shelton do to get his wife admittance? He purchased the company on the spot. What he and his wife didn't count on was a local factory worker named Ratliff and his pregnant wife entering the hospital in labor at the very same moment. To make matters worse, both women were pregnant with twin girls. What are the chances? Well, anyway, due to a little minor confusion or employee ineptitude, however you want to spin it, the babies were mixed up. And to make matters worse, Mr. Ratliff overhears the Sheltons name their babies Sadie and Rose and just loves the name so much that he christens his own daughters with them. I mean, no biggie, though. These two sets of twins named Sadie and Rose will grow up worlds apart. But the funny thing is... Genetics run hella deep, and nature sometimes does its own clerical cleanups. We've got the spicy and determined Sadie Shelton, and the opinionated and fierce Rose Ratliff. Then we've got the wistful and flighty Rose Shelton, and the whimsical and at times unfocused Sadie Ratliff. When the rural West Virginian Ratliff twins catch wind of Hollowmade closing, they head off to the Big Apple to give the co-chairwomen of Moramax a piece of their mind. They all meet for a quiet luncheon at the Ivy, they suss out this whole hospital mix-up, and they discreetly reach a resolution that all can agree on. <laughs> you wish. It's nothing but madness and mix-ups, as these four, unaware of the other set of twins' existence, leave everyone that they meet confused and bewildered. And if these four can't figure out this mix-up, there will be big trouble for the Shelton's big business, and the Ratliffs are going to return to Jupiter Hollow to discover a boarded-up hollow-made factory. Let's see if these four can suss out the inscrutable in big business. It was a lot. Look, let's just say there weren't there wasn't a lot of room for jokes this week, okay? <laughs> okay, the joke was trying to was trying to get all this information in the synopsis this week. There was a lot of information and it's very confusing information, so you don't want to add too many like sarcastic jokes to your synopsis. Because you're already slightly confused while watching the movie. You're already slightly time. confused watching the movie. And if it wasn't made clear, we have Lily Tomlin and Bette Midler, two comedic icons, playing the, the sisters. One, one each, <laughs> Bette Midler and Lily Tomlin are playing two sets of twins. In We have the Sheltons and we have the Ratliffs. The, she, the Sheltons are the ones who are the children of the wealthy... Uh, tycoon Hunt Shelton who arrived in town they were born into wealth and then we have the Ratliffs who grew up in this rural town they were born at the same hospital there was a switcheroo so we have one set of twins that's comprised of Bette Midler and Lily Tomlin and we have another set of twins hey double the trouble that is comprised of Bette Midler and Lily Tomlin so everybody's doing double duty baby mm -hmm. and we've got comedic geniuses on our hands so they we made sure easy work do. of it they made very easy work of it although it was tough work 
I, I imagine playing both these parts, different personalities, different sets of, you know, trying, having to try, know which character you're supposed to be in the moment. Like, I, I just kept thinking about how difficult this would be on set to, like, well, know where there were at. a couple of times, because, so we have, as I said, we have, like, Sadie Shelton, who is sort of goal-oriented and, like, really determined and money-hungry, played by Bette Midler. And then we have the twin sister that she believes is her twin sister at the beginning of the movie, Rose Shelton, played by the open-hearted and, at times, sort of all over the place, Lily Tomlin. So we have this set of twins. And then with the other Ratliffs, we have the Bette Midler character playing Sadie Ratliff, who is, um, who is, she, she possesses some of that sort of like desire to like, to live beyond this world that has been sort of like, she's been born into. Totally. She has a desire for wealth and to see outside the town, but she also is much kinder in the way that her counterpart in New York, Bette Midler, Sadie Shelton, is not. Sadie Shelton is like a bull in business and in as a mother, she's got a kid, and as an ex-wife, she is, you know, she, you don't see a lot of kindness from her. She's more, yeah, she's very much about the money and about making it happen and closing the deals. And then we have, yes. last but not least, Rose Ratliff, who is Lily Tomlin. And she's got a lot of Bette Midler's Sadie Shelton, the wealthy Sadie Shelton. She has a lot of that energy as far as, like, she's the one who's going to make the moves to make the thing happen. She is very determined. And she is she is very hell-bent on, like, keeping Hollow Maid open. So she sort of has this impetus to, like, go to the Big Apple and confront these sisters. So we've got two sisters that possess uh, from each set of twins that possess that sort of like intense energy and ferocity and they are going to see that the thing is done and then we have two other sisters that possess a really like warm-hearted sort of like energy and we, it's interesting to see the ways that it manifests itself uh given like within their like socio-hierarchical standing as well because that affects mm -hmm. the ways that like they engage with the world so it so those characteristics like inform inform them in very different ways but like they're still mm -hmm. present so at the core even though these women have had very different lives and experiences they're basically trying to hint at through com through like comedic elements in the film the fact that like at the core of who these women are like is this sort of connection and this connective right. tissue it's the whole na nature versus nurture thing you know what for I mean? sure no matter like who you are or where you grew up or where you came from there's still some things that are inherent about you because of who you came from and your genetics and that comes through definitely for sure i also wanted so there's a part in the beginning when they're all giving birth in the hospital and there's this nurse who makes the accidental switcheroo between the twins and before she makes the twin switcheroo she's like walking around the hospital with like these glass jars of like cookies and there's like a dark yellow liquid in it and she is like i assume it's supposed to be like apple juice i don't fucking know but then like someone drops a urine sample on the on the like desk and she takes it and puts it on the same tray and is like gonna deal with it later but like it is giving us the impression that like she's going to have someone drink piss and i'll tell you what I wanted a bigger payoff with that moment because you just see her walk into another room with it. You don't see someone take a sip of the pee. And I wanted to see someone take a sip of the pee because that's the kind of person that I am. 
it's like when you show a gun at the beginning of a at the beginning of a movie or a play you know it's gonna at some point be used and it's like exactly or was that maybe for her and maybe that's her thing maybe she went well, maybe to the bathroom she loves with it and she was like "Ooh, it's getting warm let me slip in this bathroom really quick so i can you know have my Mm -hmm. let moment me drink let me drink it down now oh i didn't although think drink it down i thought maybe like you pour it over herself and just have like a quick oh moment oh like give herself a golden shower without sort of having to rely on another person to give it to her And then, like, and then being like, whatever, I'm not going to, like, take a shower after this. A traditional person's a, shower a traditional after this. shower I'm going to i'm just gonna throw smell my clothes back on, and I'm going to go back out to the floor and dare somebody to say something to me. And then the moment she walks out, somebody's like, you literally smell like piss. And it's like, it's sterile. It's sterile. Pee pee is sterile. Sterile pissed up. Sterile. Sterile. Exactly. Sterile It's Cheryl. still a sterile Cheryl who works at the hospital. And Oh, my I'm God. not making anybody sick but me. Also, doesn't sterile mean something else? Maybe sterile Cheryl isn't the best name. Oh, yeah. <laughs> sterile means like you, you can't have <laughs> children. <laughs> we don't know Cheryl's story. we So... don't know Cheryl's story. And we would never make fun of someone in that scenario. This movie was released on June 12, 1988, as I mentioned, around the same time as Big. Um, it had a budget of around 20 mil, and then at the box office, it made around 40. Very respectable. Um, <laughs> That's great. and yeah, do you know who the, uh, did you see who the original two uh, twins were supposed to be? Goldie Hawn, and I'm, oh my god, the second one is escaping Barbara me, don't Streisand. tell me. What did Oh, I I'm say? sorry. I don't want to be biased. I, I, I didn't know how long it was going to take. I'm sorry. I was almost, what do you mean? How dare you? You just, what you love to do is you love to stomp on my joy any Oh, moment here we you go. can. And I'm glad it's on recording. I'm glad people are here to witness it. Yeah, me too. Um, and so we have, and so we have the sets of twins that are mistaken for each other. As I mentioned in my synopsis, we have Hunt Shelton, who, upon finding out that like he and his wife cannot give birth at this hospital because it is a hospital reserved for Hollow Maid employees, marches across the street where the owner of Hollow Maid lives and purchases the building just so his wife can have the babies here. So these are the kind of money moves that. Cardi was talking about in Bodak Yellow. Exactly. And we are dealing with an insane amount of money. Yeah. And, and I, I, one of the things I did like to see was like, I'm sure it was rare in 1988 to see the daughter, you know, a female led company, you know what I mean? Like a daughter taking over the company. It seems like those were the only kids that they had, but it was really nice to, you know, see, uh, these two women running, uh, What is it, Moramax? In Mormax. my mind, I kept calling. I kept It's calling like, it Miramax, and it's like a branch. no, It's, I think, no Harvey Weinstein. But I, that's what I kept saying. I oh, kept you going. stand him off. You stand him off air. But then when we're on, <laughs> when we're off air, it's Don't all about you dare do when this we're to me, off Brandon. air. Don't you dare. You're doing his voice Not right now. you. Not you, This is Brandon. this is his voice. <laughs> Uh, you no, that's my off. sexy bedroom voice. Oh, is that your bedroom voice? When you get, do you put that deep Boston on? Yeah, yeah, and I say, hop in! It's about to get real dirty! It's about to get real dirty. I parked <laughs> the car. Someone give me a pack of my Reds! Where are the Boston baked beans? Oh my God. I forgot to send <laughs> you. So I went home, by the way, everybody. And when I went home, he means home to Dallas, where uh, I'm he's in home from. to Dallas to visit my family. And uh, when I walked into the bedroom, uh, upon the pillow... Guess what I had two boxes of witch candy were on Boston the baked beans, of course. You know it, baby. Disgusting. I don't know where and I didn't ask my mom, and you're supposed Dis to be from Boston and you don't rep your you don't rep 
It's fucking the grossest candy. They're so good. They're so good. And I don't I don't know where my mom's finding them, though. Because, low-key, <laughs> I don't know where they sell them. I don't ever see them at the Literally store. Literally anywhere. I bet she buys them off of Amazon. I mean, they're... Do I, think, they're my, I don't know. I don't know. I don't ever see them at the store. I feel like Boston McBeans are a candy I forget about until I go home, and then my mom's like... But I feel like hey. your mom is, like, tech-savvy, and she would just, like, oh, if there's not a store, I'm just going to order it online. My mom also, she knows she knows that town. She knows she, the store is going to up, baby. That's true. Um, so, yeah, but I got really excited. And I actually took a picture, I forgot to text it to you, of oh the God. Boston Big Beans upon my pillow. Cause I'm my mom so glad. Me. I'm so glad that your mom did that for you, and I love that for you, and I wish you had better taste, but I can't change anything about it's, that. Look, I will admit that that is a candy that it's mostly me and just, like, old heads who, like, love it. Like, <laughs> well. You t- my wife Tara loves 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 Boston big beans, and I don't. She's care. a real one. They are. They've got that deep, rich flavor. That, that she likes Boston... a lot of things from Boston. Oh yeah, that's true. But let's... <laughs> you were so unprepared for that. <laughs> no, I, I was. I no, I was gonna. I was gonna say yeah, that's true. But let's leave her girlfriend out of this. But then I, I was like, no, I was gonna let you have your moment, but I didn't know what to do um so yeah so we've got these when we also have we also have lily tomlin was nearly 50 years old in this film she was 49 that miller was like 43 44 it's kind of like crazy that like it's also like that they it's not crazy but it's like really like kind of fabulous that like they were allowed to sort of like be at the helm of this film you know because it's interesting that we have these four women who are like all single i mean and like you know it's obviously a huge plot device because we have a bunch of men who are literally just ideas of people that it's fine because they normally do that with the women so it's exactly fine with seeing I... these like two-dimensional like male characters whose only goal is to like pick one of these four women to want to be with basically and when i tell you i do not care about these men at all oh, i mean they, I they write not... it so that you won't exactly there's no point in caring about them i mean they are just plot devices they're devices which oh, I'm fine with it too. I um, love it when men are unimportant in movies. It's really nice because a lot of the times you can't you can't get rid of these guys, you know. <laughs> and there's actually more than four. These women are very highly sought after, baby. Absolutely. Um, and everybody everybody wants a little some some, and. <laughs> Yeah, so we are we we have these women arriving in town, and by these women I mean the Rattlers. But we also have the Sheltons, who I mentioned today because early on in this movie, one of the first scenes we have is you know that scene that happens in a lot of these movies that take place in like large offices where like the boss is coming in and everybody like totally. freaks out, and like yes. we have the dude who's just like literally eating like a breakfast sandwich and he stuffs it in a file cabinet when he hears that like the boss is on the way up. And because it's, your boss can't know that you eat. It's you're so- not eating food there's a woman who like is putting on lipstick and like she hears like sadie's coming and she like drags her lipstick across her cheek and it's like girl it can't be that scary but then we see her again and she did a whole design on the side of her face and that was just her sort of like doing her thing that she does did she i totally missed that no i'm just no oh (laughs) i was Um, like what (laughs) she's like no i'm not scared this is what i do um but then we get Sadie in all of her glory in the most incredible outfit. My favorite outfit of the movie is this is the first Sadie out the first really? Sadie outfit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Whoa. I'll tell okay. you why. So it's this huge hat that she lifts and you finally get a, a glimpse of her face. She's wearing this like very tight like black polka dot like penciled skirt dress thing and then she's got over it this like white um waist length 
sort of like poncho. It's like a poncho, yeah. Yeah, which with a huge, huge like diamond lizard brooch on it. And to me, it is just the epitome of like perfect 80s style that gives like a wink to the 50s and i love that and i'm she has incredible brooches throughout this film but that fucking lizard brooch i won't rest until i have a replica it is it is everything and also she's got that you know all you all you 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 gals and lads from the early from the early aughts will remember the the belt over everything the girl it had the girls in a chokehold in the in the early aughts the girls were placing were placing thick chunky belts over (laughs) any cardigan or blazer they could get their hands on and you know we're seeing that our girl bat is always a blueprint and she's she's wearing that patent leather belt baby she's doing it and when i tell you i had so many of those two and there were no there was no need for it in any of the outfits there was no need for that fucking huge belt and I look back at pictures and I think, this could be a passable outfit if we removed that enormous, useless belt and that tiny, thin, useless scarf. But no, <laughs> that was me. And that it, was that was all of us. That was all of us. It I, was I a lot of that. that. It was a lot of like business casual for some reason became like sexy club wear during this period as well. <laughs> it was a lot of like cigarette pants and like so blouses true. with pussy bows. The mm-hmm. girls were wearing with their thick their thick bangs. Yeah. And they were like, let's go to the club. Let's <laughs> it was like, the or the club. office. I'm ready. Like, I'm ready to work hard and play hard. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> are we... Or do you have a midday mixer at the Hilton first? Oh. Where you're like, <laughs> like representing your company? It's like, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me grab my blazer and then we can go. And it's like, okay, girl. And it's never let me grab my blazer and go because you also have to grab the thick ass belt that you're going to put right. over it. So it's you're like, right. it's going to be a you're whole right. thing. Uh, it's like, I'm almost at the door. I've got my black blazer on and I've got one of those thick beaded yellow necklaces. And <laughs> this is a look and it makes sense. And I'm I'm not giving B. Nope. Um yeah, so very much we see that happening in this movie. They honestly, they do like they do both uh, roses pretty dirty as far as the outfits go because they're just like they in do. no, you will not be fashionable and you will not be in cheap. any version of your life. You're gonna be wearing what is essentially a flowy potato sack. Yeah, it's a lot of like those off the shoulder like country girl like it's the off the shoulder country girl like draped around the bosom like dresses it's giving milkmaid like but like but like giving milkmaid but like the pretty milk the prettiest milkmaid in town absolutely but honestly like i don't understand why someone who like i feel like they were like oh it's part of her personality that it's not important to her to dress to nines but it still could be part of her personality to dress nice in a nice way. (laughs) It's true. And one of the things I will say about this movie is that it appears that both sets of twins had like loving parents, at least Um, Jane Mm -hmm. mentioned the most chaotic and toxic, one of the most chaotic and toxic movies of our childhood earlier, um, the parent trap um, (laughs) where we had a set of twins that the parents ultimately made the decision that they disliked each other enough that they were willing to strip their daughters Mm -hmm. of relationships with each other or with the other parent it like that worst parenting decision of all time like that judge should have been like just like removed from the bench i mean yeah absolutely it's just like what a wild choice to make in a movie i can't imagine 
anybody at any time thinking that was a good idea. And I know that was like, that was the first movie came out in like the 60s or the 70s? It was a different time, you know? But even still, I mean, were people doing that in the 60s and 70s? Honestly, you know what? There's probably somebody listening right now with a family story. It is a wild choice. And there's no world in which you're going to sit your 18-year-old child down and explain to them what had happened was. (laughs) What had happened was, I really didn't like your dad. And we couldn't decide. And you know that story in the Bible where they sort of have the two women who are claiming that the baby's theirs and they cut it in half? We didn't have to cut you in half because we had two of you. So So be happy about that. Be happy about the intervention that that judge made years ago. Mm -hmm. And it's like, but also it's like, I get that the judge decided that, but there hasn't been any point in my childhood where you like thought to yourself, like, I feel like I've robbed my child of it. And also you have a whole ass child you don't know, sis. Like... (laughs) Uh, and you're fine with that? It's like, if I was a parent, I'd be like, no, no, I want to be in both of my children's life because these are two different people. It's not just like, oh, thankfully we got two. We can just go and have our own. It's like, twins are two different, despite how much they may look alike, they are two different people. Like, Are the, are the parents in the parent trap, like, the pettiest movie characters of all time? I would... I would have to say yes. I mean, I can't think of another movie that I've seen where there is more of a petty like breakup. It's all so it's all so small. It's all so small for us to make that decision. So we're done with that movie now. But I did think it was worth noting because it's hilarious to me looking back on it. And as a child, I watched it and I was just like, yeah, let's all check that. Yeah, as an adult, I'm like, hold on. I didn't even think about it. I didn't question it at all. Although I will acknowledge the fact. Which, hey, maybe it'll be good for you listeners, but I've never seen the original Parent Trap. I've seen the I've seen the Lindsay Lohan version as a child, but I've never, You've never seen, seen the, the Haley Mills one. No, oh I mean I know God. of it and I know who Haley Mills is, but I've never seen that movie before. That's crazy. Okay, that's interesting. That's very, um, very, very interesting information. Absolutely. So yeah, we're all about it. Um, but yeah, so we've got we've got the two sets of twins. We've got the wealthy. We've got the wealthy Sheltons. We've got the rural Ratliffs. Wealthy and rural. Um, and we also like we find out fairly early on as well in this movie that like Rose Shelton is like in this romantic relationship situationship with Michael Gross's character of Doctor J Marshall. You know him as the dad on fam on um, Family Ties. Family Ties, uh, yes. And uh, he is here, and he is not willing to commit, and it's an issue for her. But all of them are having some sort of like man issue, basically, with the exception, well, with the exception of uh, Sadie Ratliff. The other three are all dealing with some sort of like man problem, uh, whether it's like the divorce situation that Sadie Shelton's dealing with, or uh-huh. whether it's like sort of. Um, it's we have Rose Ratliff who's like unwilling to commit to. Uh, you know, rural daddy Fred Ward playing well, the role of Rune. 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 That's yeah. That's right. They just put in, put letters together. Tara um, loves that name. She's like, she's like, I love the name Rune. I'm like, really? Rune? Huh? It makes huh. me. It's like the Rune. end of like maroon. You know? It feels like yeah. It feels like a word that isn't done. That isn't finished. It's a nickname. Rune. But I mean, what I, could it be a nickname for Rooney? Oh, maybe. Are people named Rooney? Like, as a first name? Rooney Mara? Oh, yeah. Okay, there's one. Is that, is that Rooney Mara's real name, though? I never know with these actors. They just... 
they put names they put letters that's together to, true. Do, we could to make Google it do that. what it do we could yeah. um but first time that person's Google today maybe um but yeah we're not going to though so <laughs> so we have like these four women wait, wait, and did you just say the first time that Rooney Mara would be Googled today probably yeah she's like really famous she's like in a bunch of like really like acclaimed movies recently sure <laughs> so we have these four that are basically like battling it out over this hollow made factory and we we are sort of watching it all all play out but we also really get we get the sense that like the shelton sisters there's sort of this loneliness around them like their life is sort of devoid of color like they are running this company but like they don't really have what seems like much of like a connection to each other or like the world outside of this factory rose seem rose shelton just seems very like disappointed and like sad obviously she's dealing with love issues and like we have Sadie, who is really just sort of, like, tied up in this whole business thing. And to the point that her young son, Jason, played by a teen, a teenage Seth Green, Was who I didn't really recognize. Was he a teenager? Maybe not, maybe a tween. like, a preteen. He, I recognized him instantly. I was like, oh, my fucking God, that's I Seth Green. I did what not. I thought baby. it was, I thought it was one of those, the, the older brother on Pete and Pete, Nickelodeon. <laughs> And, and Dave those was like, old, no, no, no. Those are the only two redheads you know, I'm sure. And you sound like Dave. Dave was like, you cannot distinguish against redheads. And then I came up with the phrase, fire crotches matter. Um, and <laughs> Thank God someone did. Finally. It's been talking. It's being yeah, talked about. But, absolutely. Um, but yeah, so that was really funny. And also it's like, it's really funny because I feel like the dad who plays like, so like Sadie's husband He's just, like, he's a really funny character to me because there's something about his delivery that just feels... It feels like he's not an actor. But I looked him up and he is. But he's got this, like... <laughs> he has this sort of ease and nonchalance with which he delivers his lines that makes you feel like this was, like, one thing on a list of things that have to get done today. And he's just Absolutely. <laughs> I paid him no mind. And it's so <laughs> funny that, like, <laughs> at the end, like, he's like, ends up with one of them. And it's, like... I was like, oh, you're back? Okay. Like, I just, like, I just don't give a fuck about him. <laughs> he, like, he, like, shows up, and, like, the son is a terror, and he's not, he's, I mean, he's rambunctious, and he's got, like, some toy gun that he's using to shoot out these, like, nerf darts at people. And, like... Well, he's really mad. The father is really mad that Sadie is paying the son, um, baby Seth Green, to do well in school. He gives them... Not like, even do well. $100 for C's, $200 for B's. I have to assume... Although we may not have to deal with that, but $300 for A's yeah. is probably... But he's getting coin for doing well in school, and the dad... And let me tell you, I my first thought was, I think I would have done really well in school if I was being paid for it, like, in that way. I also, like, I get from, like, a moral standpoint, like, why it's bad, but also at the end of the day, I mean, even if you, if you spend a couple G's and your student and your kid graduates from, like, high school with, like, a 4.0, then I mean... Yeah, then what you're it giving is. them a leg up. I don't really see a huge issue with it. It's oh, is that like... because we're not parents? I feel like... <laughs> I don't... I honestly... And maybe this is why I'm not a parent, but, like, I honestly don't think there's anything that wrong with that. Like, I mean... I don't think it in and of itself, only... I don't think it's bad. If you were only teaching your kid to value money, that's bad. But if you are teaching that, like... You know, I don't know, like working hard, you should be paid for the labor that you put in. Obviously, it's going to benefit you. Like, 
you know, learning that is important. But like, if you can't justify that to a kid and they're doing poorly in school, I would be like, well, maybe we should try to pay him if I had the money. Yeah, well, that's a thing. I mean, if you have the money and it's like, I think that this will like, maybe like, boost you know boost efforts then like i don't necessarily see it in and of itself as being this horrible thing but like it is really funny because, me like, neither but, but i mean I, they're, really they're clearly it seemed like what he was getting at was like you're using this in lieu of like actually like sitting down and engaging with our son exactly and i will say you know all of that comes with a caveat that brandon and i don't have to parent fucking anybody oh <laughs> so for sure we for don't sure. understand like the real realities of it but, but like, if I, but if i knew that like giving a little bit of coin to my kid was gonna give them more like inspiration in the classroom to do better on like on their work and things like that then like i mean i know that when i made good grades i was like i was given like treats like i was given like you're rewarded rewards. totally my parents rewarded me when i did well in school because i did so poorly in school they were like if you do well this semester well you know i remember one of the things was like i was allowed to like have a telephone in my room when i was a kid because i like did well for in one class for one semester and then the next you know. semester you got it taken away because you were I playing won- games again 100 <laughs> percent. they were like we give it then we take it baby we didn't say you were gonna have it absolutely it was very difficult for me to sustain having a, a having earned something for a long time because i fucked it up instantly <laughs> but if they had been like you know what we're gonna take a trip to the mall and you can go ham and dillia's if you do well Oh my god, I would have I would have worked very hard because Delia's was the fucking moment for me and I there were so many things I wanted from Delia's that I did not get. So, everybody, any parents listening out there, mm-hmm. Jane and I, we are both still working on getting the um child psychologist uh sort of like certifications and all that stuff squared totally. away, but in the totally. meantime, we are going to mm-hmm. go ahead and give you the piece of advice that you need to just pay your kids. Pay your kids to do everything, and you might see them do it. Maybe one day they'll do it without you having to pay them. But if you have to pay your kids to say, I love you, so be it. Where's the pocketbook, you know? (laughs) Absolutely. If you have to pay your kids to spend time with you, (laughs) open up that wallet. Absolutely. And um, Mm -hmm. we're going to, when we get everything squared away with our uh, parenting podcast, then we're going to be back at you. And who's, who's better qualified? to talk about parenting than people who had parents and are not bogged down by the like the politics and the complexities of having to raise children. Exactly, we have a completely exactly. fresh hot take on this whole thing. We have no, one, not only a completely fresh and hot take, we have an authority because we're not mm. we we are not clouded by the fogginess of exhaustion and not knowing what to do and dealing with day-to-day problems. We have sort of a bird's eye view of it, which is really, really helpful, I think, to parents. Parents love hearing from people about how to raise kids when they don't have kids. Because it's sort of we have a clean perspective, unbiased, you know? And famously parents love hearing from people who do have kids and how to raise their kids as well. Yeah, people. Um, yeah, absolutely. If you see a parent doing something, we suggest you just walk right up to them and tell them what you think of it. Because whether you have it. kids or not, you offer a unique perspective, 100%. and it's fine for you to just see them doing something and be like, "Hey, uh, you're wrong," uh, and here's why. And here's why. And people will appreciate it. And and for the tiny, small fraction of people who end up spitting in your face or punching you or calling you a see you next Tuesday. Jane, that happened one time. And I wish I didn't tell you the story because you've been throwing it in my face forever. 
that well, person didn't love my feedback, but you know. But you know what? You probably saved, you know, countless amounts of other children's lives by by giving unsolicited advice. And speaking of unsolicited advice, in this mm. film, we find out really quickly that Sadie Shelton is making all the business decisions, and she does not want any of the advice from her sister Rose. About well, she not... doesn't have any good advice, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, she doesn't have, like, the best advice, but we also find out that, like, initially what this is sort of, like, presented as is, like, we're going to sell this factory, and, like, they do know that they were born in this town. Like, mm-hmm. they're aware of that, but they don't have any other sort of connections or ties to it that they know of. So, for Sadie, it's sort of like, yeah, it's a cute memory but like I want to I want to make this coin and Rose and Rose has some sort of like sympathy for these for these people because I mean we are talking about the 80s we're talking about like a rural like community and we're talking about like a form of like a form of income that was probably like bolstering much of this community at this point so it's like for Rose it's more complicated than it is for Sadie and at the same time, we have a hoedown happening in this town of, I keep wanting to say Junction Point for some reason, of Jupiter Hollow. We have this hoedown happening, and this is where Junction we meet. Point? Junction Point is just a collection of, like, words that sort of sound like a town or city or have a part, like, have adjacency to sounding like a place <laughs> that you just put together. Junction Point. <laughs> Well, it's like, well, so as as is Jupiter Hollow, though. We're right, but Junction and Point, I feel like, are not ones you put together. It would be like Jupiter Junction or like... Oh, Jupiter, I get what you're saying. Or like Hollow Point. It wouldn't be like Junction Point. What do you, what do you think about like, uh, like, like <laughs> Zephyr Burst? <laughs> to me, that actually sounds like a sex toy. <laughs> Oh, it also sounds kind of painful. It does, yeah. If you use it incorrectly, you will never have sex again. Or but something you, will implode. But if you do use it correctly, you'll have the best orgasm of your life. And that's you a promise. Know, girl, I left my Zephyr burst all over those sheets. <laughs> it's like, ugh, does, did you wash them? Like, what's going on? It's like, he's well, a, let me just say, they're not getting that Zephyr burst out of those pillowcases anytime soon. <laughs> And it's like, I would love to know which part of you is the Zephyr. And also, like, like was the burst, what, does it regenerate? Or is, like, whatever burst, like, unburstable again? Unburstable. And it's like, what is the fluid? You just, and you, you just get, you get one burst a lifetime, basically. But it's a mighty burst. Um, also written and directed by Christopher Guest. I was, I was quaking. The moment that I could feel my mm. Zephyr start mm-hmm. to shake absolutely and everyone has a zephyr you just need to find it you gotta be find the elusive the elusive zephyr mm-hmm. it started trembling which it had never mm-hmm. done before yeah and the moment that i felt it i knew it was mm-hmm. an explosion or an implosion coming my way absolutely and, and sometimes the, both and baby girl i just went ahead and i called sherwin williams and asked him to bring over some more paint because when i saw <laughs> the way that my mm. Zephyr burst had... You knew you, you knew you had to paint the walls. Had, dra- had <laughs> draped the walls. Uh-huh. I knew that I was going to, first of all, be getting a call back from this person that I was having the intercourse with. Mm-hmm. But I also knew that I couldn't set foot in that apartment until the paint had dried. 
Because you don't want to, like, face it. Oh, okay. I was like, I I don't understand why. (laughs) Because without a Zephyr, I don't know. Yeah, and then you get a text message, and he's like, girl, that burst you left all over my walls? (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to be painting all week. You owe me $2,700 for parts and labor. <laughs> ugh, I hate that. It's, ugh. Ugh. He's like, you ruined it all. I'm at CB2 right now getting some new sheets. No going back after that Zephyr number you did. <laughs> if you're paying, I'm going to Crate and Barrel, not CB2. <laughs> you're queen of the burst. Um, so all of this is happening. And we have the sisters in the rural community of... Junction Hollow, Jupiter Hollow. God damn it, Jupiter I Hollow. Can't We're not doing you this. Did it again. We're having Jupiter Hollow. We have the we have the girls in, the, in Jupiter Hollow, and they are having a hoedown. And they are we get we get Bet giving us a little bit of yodel because she let those producers know. She said the I voice will this. be included. Um, I can do this. She's milking a cow at the beginning of her performance. Have you then, ever milked a cow? No, I haven't. I have. Have you really? Yeah, when I was in sixth grade, we went to this place called, um, like, it was, like, a couple hours away, and we did an overnight at this farm. I can't remember what it was called. It was, like, my sixth grade class, and we, like, learned how to, like, do all this stuff on a farm, and, like, one of them was milking a cow. It is really weird to hold a cow's udder. I can only imagine. Also, I feel like I don't think I ever did a... Did I do a sleepover? I think one time I did a lock-in, but that seems like, like, like a sleepover and you you stayed like with the school group yeah Ooh, y'all were fancy um, is that fancy i just think or neglect or neglectful <laughs> you're like the parents didn't know we actually we actually <laughs> oh no a, my parents knew they signed me right the fuck out. up they're like a night like, without this girl here. that sounds fun get her out bill was like pop the vino <laughs> um, we're about to find this ever <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe I just said that. It's like I was like I wasn't thinking of it as my parents. But I also love I also love it because I love like the determination like nearly like 20 years into the marriage. Like all of a sudden oh my it's like God. Can we not like, talk about, can we can we move on cuz I'm realizing we're not talking about my parents. Okay, no I, more Zephyr. I ab- absolutely cannot do that. No more Hammer Zephyr talk. Um <laughs> So, yeah, also we get this, like, phrase that comes up over and over again in the movie, which I think is really interesting, of there's a guy who's, like, attempting to hit on uh, Sadie Ratliff, the Bette Midler, the rural Bette Midler character, and she, like, is not giving him the time of day because she's, like, you're covered in cow shit, basically. And she walks off, and he says, you're above your raisin. And I love above your raisin as a phrase because all it means is, like, don't aspire to be anything more than what you are and, like, do not allow yourself to be defined on your own terms. And I just love that as like a return. When I phrase. tell you, when I tell you, I heard this phrase for the first time, and I was so confused, and <laughs> it took me till the end of the fucking movie to realize that they were not speaking about the dried fruit raisin. No, no, no. They baby. were talking about the action of being raised, raising, <laughs> and I felt like such a fucking. Idiot. I was like, what does above uh, your raisin mean? Why are they talking about raisins? I don't fucking get it. Uh, East Coast. <laughs> East Coast hoity-toity. You were like, I don't know this poor jargon. Uh, no. 
they were very much talking about about her being above her raising mm -hmm. and you know attempting to want a life for herself beyond it which is like a negative i guess um apparently it's just like just a person with dreams really right but, exactly it, but this whole hoedown the one thing that i noted and i thought jane would probably be noting too was all of the animals we know are dead now Mm -hmm. in this scene mm -hmm. there was cows that have to be dead that have to have been put to be out dead. the pasture there's lots of hound dogs they have to be deceased 100 percent. i mean those dogs are <laughs> you know they'd be our age absolutely and, and there's no fucking way what's the oldest anymore. dog what's the oldest like dog well, i'm that... about to google that right now i don't know that picture is gonna be a rough one it's like <laughs> You know, it's gotta be. I just What's feel like the oldest dog to ever live. I feel like ugh, it's just like recorded. What is it? <gasps> the oldest oh. dog ever recorded was Bluey, an Australian cattle dog who lived in Rochester, Victoria, Australia. Bluey lived twenty nine years and oh. five fucking months. That is insane. I thought it was going to be longer than that for some reason. What? Dogs do not, like... Oh, I know. I know. But I thought, like, the longest ever, like, the genetic anomaly. I thought it was going to be, like, 45 years or something. Oh, my God. That would be insane. 45 it's years? It's wild. It's wild. And all those parents out there who have who are getting pets for the kids, one more thing. This is, this is free advice. You're going to have to pay if you want the service. But one thing I will tell you, look mm -hmm. out with those pets, baby. Because, you know, two pets that live forever... Birds live forever and turtles live forever. And I have a friend who I've mentioned on the podcast Ooh. before who had got a turtle when she was a little girl. And when she graduated from college and moved into her first apartment, her parents dropped that turtle off. <laughs> and, they were, and she still has it. And she's in her 30s. Oh, my God. And that turtle is still alive. That's so crazy. They live is it forever. a turtle or it's a turtle, not a tortoise, right? A to it may be a tortoise. It may be a tortoise. Tortoise? But she's like, had like, it. Isn't there like like 200 year tortoises on like the galapagos and stuff you need to set up that will baby for these animals <laughs> if you plan to live out because they will outlive you 100%. that's why we end up there's a lots of parrots that need that like need homes and need to be rehomed because Absolutely. they're owned by older people and then they die and like the parrots like in his like 50s and still living their best life and it's like well, you may be going life mama. Who knows if it's the best life? You there, know? there we go, Jane. Or Debbie Let Downer. It, well, I, no, I just mean, you know, it's like, do you really, like, I hope, I, I, I don't know anything about bird ownership. You don't, but continue. <laughs> I was about to get on my soapbox once again where I... Did you get off? <laughs> Never. It just seems like a, fish gotta swim, birds gotta fly. You know what I mean? <laughs> I do. I get it. I get it. And you can't... You can't look. I though my love, love is rare, I, uh -huh. and though my love is true? true, yeah, yeah, I'm like a bird. I only fly away. Um, so anyway, <laughs> speaking of other things that just did not work out, um, following this milking performance, we do get to meet resident daddy Fred Ward, who mm. I do remember seeing in this movie and being like, okay. Um, at a young age. He is. He is really cute. And he's, like, throughout the whole movie, just charming. Like, he yes. does, he, he's unproblematic and, like, loves the shit out of um, Rose. 
which one we don't know <laughs> but until the end, but or which one he doesn't know. Well, he originally he's he's Rose Ratliff's like person that she's going to study with. I love like yeah. in these small towns all of these like adults in their forties who are apparently taking it slow. Because it's famously not that way. So it's interesting to have this movie full of, like, 45 to 50-year-old people that are, like, dating and, like, really skittish about going any further. And, like, people that, like, aren't getting remarried or anything. They're all just, like, single adults in their 40s who are, like, just about to leave their parents' house for the first time. And I'm not judging. It's just, like, a funny thing for a movie in, like, the 80s to to see all these people and be like, okay, still still not sure if you want to commit yet, huh? (laughs) Well, also, it's like <laughs> Lily Tomlin on the cusp of 50 being like, I want to have kids. It's like, girl, <laughs> I, I, I don't, miracles can happen, but I do feel like that, si- that ship might have sailed for you. And it's also just like, that's famously what happens, being a person who grew up in a smaller town. Like, yeah, that's famously what happens is like, people start getting married and having kids and usually divorced after but it all happens like in pretty short order so for all of these sisters because we meet their we meet several of their other other sisters as well like these ratless have all it seems like been living in the same house and like just sort of adults doing their thing which is great but it's just like it's it's unusual you know especially Mm -hmm. like for this time period so we get that little bit of a taste that fred ward's character of rune wants to sort of make things more more solid and more official with Rose, and she's sort of, like, not really feeling the fantasy. She's one foot out, one foot in. She's really focused on making sure that they don't shut the furniture company down, and so she wants to go to New York and get that settled before she figures anything out. Although it's... Although, isn't it kind of also unclear whether or not, like, Rose and Sadie Ratliff, the rural Ratliffs, like, work at the factory? I don't know what anybody um, from the small town does. I do... Well, we do find out rune is like the foreman of the factory yes but i don't know if sadie or rose work anywhere near or around or if they're just sort of like or if they're just sort of like like, understand what this will mean for the community and are like organizers you know fledgling organizers who are maybe like taking it upon themselves to like carry the torch which is fine Mm. too it's just interesting um because it's not really made clear what they do but they do take off for new york and like we also find out that sadie ratliff has no plans of returning baby she has packed a big ass suitcase and she is she's gone when she leaves and like and she's basically like makes she's basically makes rose like swear that she won't say anything to their siblings um or anyone that she wants that she's leaving and she's not coming back because everybody thinks they're just going into town for a couple of days and then returning and she basically like makes her sister swear because she says if you tell them then i'm going to tell rune that you are going to be missing the big tournament because Rune's got this big golf tournament coming up that like he's expecting his his girl to be at and so I it's will... basically them leveraging like their secrets like yes against it's really each other. messy it's yeah it's it's well James's sister say, so she knows all about it I would say classic sibling stuff more so when we were younger definitely not the case now but like when we were younger it was definitely like you absolutely find out stuff about your sibling and lord it over them in order to get stuff out of them or you know and i will say that my sister did that for to me a lot more than i did to her because my sister was a good kid and i yeah, was you a gave bad her kid probably endless. I gave her 
so much. And then she lit my ass up anytime she got pissed off at me and would just fucking rat me out to my parents. And I'd be like, what happened to you? And she'd be like, you, I know you fucking wore my top. So I'm marching right into the fucking bedroom and telling mom and dad you did this, that, and the other. And I'm like, okay, well. She just pulls out the journal of like information. I grew up, I didn't 100%. grow up with a, with a sibling. I grew up with cousins though that I was pretty close to and like I was always the one that they, that any adult put pressure on because I was so I didn't want to get a whooping and mm-hmm. I I like shocker, I didn't want to be abused. Um I didn't want to get a whooping <laughs> and I like I couldn't handle the heat. And like all it took was an adult pulling me in a room alone and they knew it. So like <laughs> And it really meant that I was going to be getting, like, hit in the middle of the night by my cousin also. Because that meant that you were going to get, like, I would, my cousin would, like, would, like, punch me in the middle. That's what would wake me up in the middle of the night was my cousin, like, punching me if, like, I told on him. So, like. Oh, my God. Wait. Is this. Yeah, you know who it is. Yeah. And, um, yeah. So, like, I always, it was always, like, I was going to get it regardless. I, yeah. I should have just taken it from the parents. And had some sort of like, but I was so scared. At least that's and a controlled like, whooping from the parents. Then, like, instead of like your cousin waking up in the middle of the night and being like, "I'm gonna do whatever I want to do." I had a lovely childhood. Everybody. Not in that way. By, by by the way, I'm just a really old millennial, and so like the rules didn't really, the rules didn't luck. really apply to me. Okay, luck, as far luck, as like you luck. know, we all have you know different we. Th- the, the standard changes as time goes on. Brandon and I are in our late 30s. Shit was different. Exactly. Jane paused for that late 30s to see if I was going to accept I, that she was trying to yep. make me uh, one of her. And though there's mm-hmm. an ocean of years between us, um, <laughs> I'll take it. I am. I'm in, my, I'm in my, my late 30s. Do I get mistaken for a teenager all the time? Do I? But Who doesn't? <laughs> you? you? Know, within this room? <laughs> you? No. People are always like, oh, are you so trendy? I hear you listen to Do a Leap. I hear uh, you listen to Do a Peeps all the time. <laughs> Peeps no, people think time. that I'm a child when I'm with when I am with Jane. They think you're they a think, baby. They think that Jane is my governess. And I've heard that before from people. Nobody is nobody is mistaking your six two ass for a fucking <laughs> baby and me being your governess. <laughs> This with this outfit that you're wearing today, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, and you're walking around in what, like leader hosen? <laughs> Be like exactly. Edelweiss, Edelweiss. Um, that's all I got from Sound of Music. Um, but yeah, so all of this—it's a song at the end of Sound of Music. I know. I was trying to remember the rest of the lyrics. <laughs> that's all I got. Yeah, um, me too. But yeah, so they're taking off, and essentially they're not coming back. And we have this moment where the sisters, the two other Ratliff sisters who we don't get names for anything, they come out of the house and they're hugging goodbye. And like we see like Rose and Sadie fighting back tears, like knowing that Sadie has no plan of returning. And like it is kind of wild, but also Sadie's got to do what Sadie's got to do. So mm-hmm. they head for the big city, and we realize also quickly that like what's actually being planned for this factory of Hollow Maid is not so much like. It's not just the factory being sold. It's that the factory is going to be sold and this part and and the area that the factory is in is going to be stripped of like resources. Like that's what's happening. And so in them selling like this land, like it is going to ultimately mean like destruction for like destruction of their way of life, at least for the people 
of this community. So it's one of the other reasons why it's not just the factory closing, but it's like what this new presence is going to mean for for the town of Jupiter Hollow. So there's a lot of sort of like balls in the air, um, so to speak. And everybody's zephyr is going to burst by the end of this movie. You know what I mean? I know. I know mine did. And um... wait, just now? Is that why you closed your eyes really hard? <laughs> and is that why you were I... gnawing on that bone? No. To keep from. I meant at the end of this movie, my zephyr burst. Oh. Because okay. of all the shenanigans. There were a, a, a high number of shenanigans, and my zephyr was stimulated by those. Can I ask you a personal question? I think I don't think we can get any more personal than this, but please go ahead. What is the what's the noise that you make when your <laughs> when your zephyr bursts? What does it sound like? <clears throat> oh God! <laughs> I, I thought for a second it was gonna be like the lightest and the most quiet noise ever. I thought it was going to be like, <laughs> but I was really happy with what I got. And that when that tongue rolled out of your mouth and your eyes bulged out of your head, and what, like what Jim the fuck Karen's is Wild Coyote doing behind you, girl? <laughs> your place is wild. Y'all do whatever y'all want over there, hanging out with those cartoons. We sure do. We sure do. Um, and speaking of something that is not all fun and games, mm-hmm. we've got the sisters arriving in town. We already mentioned the fact that the first sort of switcheroonie happens at the airport when Harlan, the the lifetime driver for like the, she- the Sheltons apparently, because he mentions dropping off the parents at at uh, Jupiter Hollow years earlier. We, so, so he's, he's got to be like 80 years Yeah, old. he's been working for them and he's clearly maybe in his 50s. He's probably the same damn age as these two. And exactly. he's talking about, well, y'all were little girls. Uh, and so it's like, sure. Um, but, okay. he, but he picks up the wrong gals, and as they're walking out of the air, they bump into Fabio, basically. So the rural sisters who are just showing up to basically confront the board, they end up getting mistaken for the Sheltons. They get put in this limousine and whisked away, and they have Fabio who bumps into them. There, they end up with Fabio, and he knows what they look like because the Sheltons have been in many magazine articles. Like, their faces are all over. They're very wealthy. So, like, he hops in the limo with them, and they're just sort of, like confused sadie ratliff is more just amazed by it all and just it really having a good time because this is the life that she wants for herself and rose Mm -hmm. ratliff is very very paranoid about like everything and she sort of surmises that like these wealthy people have like computers and ships and they know everything that everybody's doing so that's why they knew that we were arriving so they just quickly sort of accept this scenario as i would too they get in the free limo and they head to the uh the block you know your girl's always accepting it Red, they like pause rose it was good though just just like for a second all of a sudden but it's been really good you just got choppy out of nowhere is what he said i did just now okay yeah and we're you know we're moving through we're close so we just gotta stay with it (laughs) famous that's my famous line (laughs) yeah i i I, well, I'm telling you, my Zephyr has never been closer. Um. <laughs> that, that Zephyr is quivering. Quivering. Oh, um, he breathed on my Zephyr? <laughs> it took like, me to Tim Buck, too. No, of course I didn't let him bust it. It is still intact, it regenerates. 
Oh. <laughs> you I don't like know a regen- why. The human body like, regenerates all sorts of things. I don't love the idea of a Zephyr regenerating. I don't know why. I don't know what it is. I don't know where it's located. But I, one thing I do know about it is I don't like that it regenerates. I just imagine like a beauty salon and like a bunch of women like talking and it just being like, girl, my Zephyr is tenuous at best. It's took everything in me the other night. Or my Zephyr never came back. And I've been waiting or, 15 years for my Zephyr. Or girl, I'm having I, the Zephyr regeneration surgery. Oh girl, I, you ain't gonna believe this shit, but I grew a second Zephyr. <laughs> Two! You lucky bitch. You lucky bitch. You lucky bitch. bitch. Oh my god, I love it. <laughs> um, also, like, welcome to the minds of of us. Just uh, which I'm sorry, we are unhinged. I've also had like a full when I, I I don't usually have wine when we record because I usually do it right after work. But you just do week. moonshine usually, right? <laughs> I usually just do water, but I filled up this whole glass <laughs> with wine. Oh, our girl's like, filling. She's from. I was wavy. like, well, I don't want. I was like, I don't want to get up and refill, and it's like, <laughs> girl. <laughs> you were really giving this whole Midwestern mom thing. <laughs> You're living your fantasy. You said, you know what? Just put the whole bottle in this cup so we don't have to play this game. By the way... It was not the whole bottle. By the way, this is something that Jane and I also do. Like, Mm -hmm. if I I go over to Jane's place, then I'll show up with, like, a bottle of, like, sparkling rosé. And then I'll be like, I'll just pour really big, like, mason jars full of it. Because I don't want us to have to keep getting up to go in the kitchen. It's exhausting. So that's who we are. Anyway, that's don't who judge we are, us. and I'm not. I want to apologize for it. It's it's saving trips for something that's already going to happen, anyways. Also, one of the problematic things in this movie, which is really like problematic in like Bette Midler's career, mm-hmm. is like all of this like rhetoric around Bette Midler's weight, which is always just like horrible. It's only briefly mentioned in this film. Some movies they really harp on it, but like also, first of all, Bette Midler. Not that it matters, but Bette Midler has an incredible figure. And it's also like this she's is the little... thing. This is like okay. We need to we need to spend time on this because this is the thing that I, that myself and other people particularly like. You know, I think it affects everybody, but particularly young girls growing up. It's like you see this woman on screen who seems to be an average an average sized woman with a beautiful figure and beautiful body, and. All she gets are fat jokes and people talk about how she fat she is and you have a completely warped view of like what a, a thin body versus, you know, a larger body. Although all bodies are good, nobody's saying otherwise, but you t- then tend to look at yourself and not, uh, it, it just, it's the beginning of your own body dysmorphia, which you deal with your, for your whole fucking life. But my God, why are we, why are we running around being gaslit into thinking that Bette Midler was fat? It's, it's crazy. And it, <laughs> that isn't a bad word. I'm just using it as a descriptor of a body type. I don't mean it negatively, but Bette Midler is not a fat person. It's just like it's weird, and it was in so many like Midler movies, mm-hmm. and I I actually be very curious to hear like what her sort of take is on like mm-hmm. the on this in these scripts and everything because it's something that comes up a lot over Bette Midler's career, and it's so interesting to me because as Jane said, all bodies are beautiful, but it's so funny because I always grew up thinking that 
like as like a person i always thought and i'm you know obviously like a little homo but i always <laughs> thought that but Be- Be- first of all yeah the gayest sentence is about to come out of my mouth i always thought Absolutely. that Miller was so pretty and so like glamorous and like she it's just funny was. and not that if she was not that if she was a larger size she wouldn't have been those things but of it's course. so interesting to watch those movies as a kid and just always i was like huh because she just always just like looked amazing to me and like she hearing her in so many roles you know talk down about herself and you know you can think about this movie um i believe it happens in the slums of beverly hills uh, as well i know it happens in uh it's a huge plot point in the first wife club she's um, in the slums of beverly hills or or i've gotten it completely wrong which is very possible because i'm always getting it wrong with these movies um, i don't think she's in the slums of beverly hills i'm wrong it maybe okay. i'm i'm wrong i know i am okay Okay. But but there's so many of these movies where it's like Bette Midler is in the movie and like her weight becomes like this plot point. And it's just so it's so peculiar to me because it's just like But it's gonna I, be difficult. I mean, obviously one hundred percent and like I And I, just so just, we're clear, it is down and out in Beverly Hills. <laughs> okay, I understand they got slums in Beverly Hills from that, of course. Have that you ever seen Down and Out in Beverly Hills? Um uh I don't know. I have to get back to you on that one. Okay. Um, because it sounds sort of familiar, but I can't picture it right now, so I don't know. Is it just one of those movies from the 80s, early 90s that had Beverly Hills in the title, you know? Yeah, That you're like, maybe I know it, but I don't. Maybe I've seen it, but I don't. Yeah, I don't. I'm not sure. Um, but I will say about Bette Midler, like, I'm sure she was comfortable putting those things... This is, like, my, um, assumption, because, like, okay, so... Actually, I'm not going to say this. I don't want to assume anything about how she feels about herself. So I'm I'm going to stop myself before I do. But mm-hmm. I, no, I, just I think feel, so. I just feel it. it's hard to watch a woman like talk about her, her fat body in a way that A, it, she doesn't have a fat body and B, in incredibly negative light throughout her entire career, which gives me the hint that she just probably didn't feel great about herself, which is, you know. Also, anytime you pick up a movie script and that's like any, let me tell you something as an actor, anytime you pick up a movie script or like a script for like a commercial or anything, Mm -hmm. and there's like anything in the script that like tells you about yourself. It's always a moment where you're like, huh? Wait, <laughs> who's this part for? Yeah. Oh, y'all exactly. don't get a chance to augment this line. This doesn't apply to me. And they're like, we think it does. We really think it does. And you pick it up or you read like the descriptor for the character and they're mm-hmm. just and it's like, not that pretty. Like, not that pretty, gangly. And, a hot and to be mess. clear, we're not saying that fat is synonymous with not being no, pretty. No, 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 no. That's but not I'm, the point. But, but I am I, just saying I, anytime you have saying. to deal with anything about yourself in a script or like yeah writers have created something especially if it's like we wrote this for you and it's like <laughs> they're like tailor made and we couldn't see anybody else playing the part and you're just like oh, how dare you how it's like we tailor made and it's like mousy girl <laughs> like has nothing mousy ineffectual <laughs> like incomplete human stupid <laughs> slut and you're just like oh, okay you guys wanted to see me tackle something that was going to be like really different from me from who i am huh <laughs> okay. Sure. 
whatever it takes you to get you yeah, to get you yeah, uttering yeah. those lines on camera, baby. Exactly. Um, <laughs> whatever you need. Whatever you need. Oh um, God. It's so, funny. so let's take it back. Let's 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 get our characters to the plaza because that's where the majority of this movie takes place. Is that we've got both set of twins unbeknownst to each other, staying at the plaza because they're trying to get to this board meeting that is happening in a couple of days. And also, we mentioned Lily Tomlin's outfits. My favorite Lily Tomlin outfit, not because I liked it, because it was so wrong, it was right, was (laughs) the Rose Ratliff outfit that she wears into the plaza, which is, it's a pink, like, pantsuit, or so you would think from a three-quarter look at the... Cool. No, uh, no, baby. I said, from, so you would think from from a three quarter shot, you would think that it was just pants, but it's culottes, kiddo. Oh. And I don't know what oh. it is about culottes that are so satisfying to me. Um, it's because it's Can like I you just... didn't want to commit to a full pant. You wanted your shins to be able to breathe because yeah, you, you may have to like air. You needed to be. You need to be ready to go. You may limber. I always think yeah. you got to be limber, and you don't know you what's going to pop off. So mm-hmm. you want the shins open. I will I say it. that I do think that culottes are the least sexy item of clothing that to ever exists. It's hard to argue with that because, yeah. like, you can't say palazzo pants because those are sexy <laughs> as fuck. And so, I mean. <laughs> but has anybody fucking looked sexy in a pair of culottes? Nah, anybody. It's, it's a really hard look to pull off. <laughs> and not, like, look accidental. Like, you just, like, passed, like, a shredder on your way in and, like, this is what you were left with. It's like, oh, those are intentional. Somebody just running up to you, like, girl, we're gonna get you. Let's get you some pants. It's like, wait, it's oh like, no, where are the rest of them? <laughs> it's like, girl, what did they do to you out there? I think it's the fact that it's also, it's like, it's not just like pants that are short. It's like they are fucking wide leg. That's so the other like, part of it. Yeah, there is so much room in each pant leg. It's like. Is it a skirt? Oh no, honey. These are fucking pants that stop way too short. <laughs> it's like culottes and capris just like having a fight and seeing who wins. <laughs> I wanna I wanna see that that cartoon. Um, oh my god. And so they arrive at the hotel. By the way, yeah. if Capris come back, I will kill myself. I just want that. No, to... Jane. No. You're right. No, You're you right. know they're probably I gonna won't. come back. Oh, I gave myself prepared for that. Okay. Sorry. You, they're going to come back and they're all going to be tucked into polos just like they were Ugh. with those weird, like, remember those, like, metal, like, seashell, like, like kind of, like, woven, like, belts that all the gals were wearing? Yes. It's all, oh it's my God. all. I had a pair of Capri pants that were, like, they were, like, pinstriped suit pants, but they were Capris and they were tight. And you couldn't tell me a fucking thing in those pants. What, and you threw on, probably knowing you and knowing the era, you probably <laughs> threw on a white, like, Oxford over, like, a gr- and, like a gray V-neck sweater over it. And oh my you God. called it a fucking day. I'm sure, I'm sure I fucking did. And then did. you grabbed your bright yellow patent leather purse and you threw it over <laughs> your shoulder, your peasant bag, and you, mm-hmm. you hit the streets. And I was this like, let me get, not. let me get my fucking pointy black pumps and wear these and then be in absolute fucking pain 10 minutes after I leave my house. And then you're like, oh my god, I forgot to like douse my eyes in liner (laughs) to the point that I look like a raccoon. I'll be right back. See you in 15 minutes. Hopefully I haven't stabbed myself in the eye. Um, We'll just see what happens though. Uh, She was tired of rumors, people. Uh, So yeah, so we've got all of this happening. We get them to the plaza. It is full on 80s opulence. Like... The lobby oh, of the plaza is yes, giving us like everything we could 
ever want. And this was a soundstage, by the way. This was not actually the plaza, which I thought yeah. was super interesting. That like they, they did a great job with the replica. They did, and they got like they they got the um they couldn't get approval apparently, right? They couldn't get approval. They couldn't get approval to film in the plaza, so they built their own soundstage. And then because it was so expensive, they were like, "Oh, we'll just cr- we're gonna create a TV show." that takes place in the plaza and it was a huge flop (laughs) i want to say honest and truly i don't think it was on the air i don't think it was on the air for a full season i think it was on the air for like maybe like nine or ten episodes and then it just like was canceled it was called the nut house um and like the nut is spelled with two t's because of course uh and it, they had our they had the queen that was the the late great cloris leachman she was one of the stars oh um, i would have watched that i would watch madness anything ensued, cloris, i'm sure cloris. i hate the i hate the shows from the 80s and the 90s that like only had one season and disappeared because like i can i can make a watching experience of watching like all of them just like back to back to back um i don't especially the ones that are i don't like i don't like those uh, it's like they never hit with me i it's really hard for me to watch old sitcoms unless they're really really good i know it's not the same case for you that was judgment so anyway (laughs) she was like i know you have no issues with watching it, you old bitch um (laughs) and so as all of this is happening as all of this is happening, we get the beginning of the real like switcheroonies taking place. We get the we get Sadie and Rose Ratliff arriving. They get the suite that was supposed to be for the Sheltons. They're given the room, and they they are sort of like settling into the room when like the the Ratliff, I mean the Sheltons, end up having to take the bus, the train back because the limo's gone. And they don't have any money for a cab because they don't carry money on them because that's some shit which people don't do. Exactly. And so they end up hoofing it. Yeah, so they end up hoofing it, and then... This is where where this movie was difficult for me, because therein started the type of movie that I absolutely... is, Is so painful for me to watch, which is just constant and continuous misunderstandings when people don't ask enough questions so it's just everybody running into everybody thinking everybody's everybody else and and without they say just the right thing to cause the height of confusion for the person who doesn't know what's going on and no one knows what's going on and so i just am like watching this the whole time being like i want them to discover each other i want them to discover each other i want them to discover each other and it happens so much later than i was comfortable with <laughs> do you like fraser because this is like a common this is like a very fraser is one of the more contemporary sitcoms that employs it it's actually like it's not employed in the way that it used to be but this sort of like fraser loves it that's why i bring it up that idea of the miscommunication that everything hinges on mm-hmm. and then like there's a bunch of people that think that one thing is happening but it they're completely wrong it doesn't it doesn't and bother me in fraser maybe because it's short form sitcom because that is 21 yeah. to 23 minutes of hilarity yeah 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 and it all gets resolved by the end of it it's the but full like hour and a half two hours of, i got gotcha. you hour and a half of people not knowing what's going on i mean being like ask one more fucking question 
one more fucking question and you would understand that you do not know who you're talking to you would have the answer <laughs> to the question that you probably think is unanswerable you probably think is unanswerable but like is anything but exactly um, we also meet two of the board members who are giving us queer queer icons uh in this oh film oh my god yeah we get edward herman playing the role of graham sherborne and then we have um i guess rumored partner but also associate dan well not rumored daniel gerald who plays the role of chuck they're clearly a couple mm -hmm. um and like at first i was like oh they're hinting at it and then it was like no they're 1000 percent like a couple that just happens to work for moramax totally i was like at first i was like these guys are giving me vibes they're having like a nice dinner together or whatever and then later when they are in the hotel room and he goes like they're with the hotel room. They end up in a hotel room with Rune because he comes to New York to find his gal because he found out that she's not at the tournament. And so shenanigans ensue and they end up having to stay in the same hotel room as, um, uh, what's his name? Graham and Chuck. And Chuck is wearing a kimono. And he goes, oh, did you get that kimono in Japan or something. I can't remember where he asked where he got it. And he's like, no, Fire Island. And it's like, okay, y'all are a gay couple. And I love that. Uh, absolutely. And there's also like the scene with Rune, Rune coming out of the bathroom in his PJs and just, he just starts doing push-ups and Chuck's just like <laughs> drooling over him. And then they basically, they're like, okay, you, here goes the couch. We're going to go sleep in the bedroom. And he's like, oh, I don't want y'all two to have to share the same bed. I'll take the bed and I'll, sh I'll bunk with one of you. And then one of you can sleep on the couch. And we see Chuck's eyes get so wide as he looks over at Graham, like wanting him to volunteer, wanting to be able to volunteer his tribute, basically. Um, <laughs> hoping that Graham will take this couch for the night, maybe. Uh, give him a little bit of room, some space to get to know each other. Um, but it's really, it, it's really funny. And they're not actually like... They're, I mean, they're not typically in these movies. They're like they're like um, they're spoken of disparagingly, but like not actually. Right. They're awful because they're sort of like avaricious, but like they're not awful because they're gay. Um, it's just sort of like not on sprinkled Beth's watch, in, not on and, not watch. A, and not on Lily's watch either. No, queer icon Lily Tomlin, of course, absolutely. Um, God, been with her partner for like sixty years. Yeah, uh, who's also named Jane. Who's also named Jane? That's right. Mm -hmm. It's a great name. Sometimes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, but no, 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 not you. Um, <laughs> but we also see like one of one of the first scenes because it's sort of building towards the reveal. We get the scene of like the two sisters at breakfast together. We get like the mix or the mix up that happens when the wrong Sadie and the wrong Rose end up joining each other for breakfast, thinking that it's the other sister, both of them, and it's really it's really funny. It's just like a really funny quick little scene where we see them in interacting with each other and watching sort of this other sister that they think is their sister like doing things that they find annoying and kind of peculiar like mm -hmm. when we get the rose and sadie we get the sort of pushy more like de more determined i'll say rose and sadie sitting together and it's basically like the battle of wills is like yeah, the two of them are just like moment. going in on each other and nobody's giving giving in and they're both just like you're being so annoying it's like <laughs> no you're just getting it as good as you give it that's it mm -hmm. you're just mm -hmm. sitting down with somebody who's as spicy as you are and you can't handle it because you're used to your sister who just lets you have your way <laughs> um so all of that is happening and then we also get like this is where like there are all these men that are all of a sudden like a part of the story we obviously have we mentioned um sadie sheldon 
is um we mentioned that she was married so she has her ex-husband who is barry primus plays the character of michael who is sadie's ex-husband who's taking care of the son and then we have michael gross from family ties who is rose shelton's like beau who can't who hasn't agreed to marry her yet and then we have like the rich sort of uh michelle placido who plays who plays fabio he's the person who's come in from italy who's going to be buying the factory He's also courting Sadie Shelton, and at the same time that he's courting Sadie Shelton, Michael, Sadie Shelton's ex-husband, has bumped into, unbeknownst to him, Sadie Ratliff, who looks exactly like his ex-wife, but has a completely different demeanor than her, a kindness and a warmth that he's very attracted to. And he says, whoa, you're, you're sort of behaving. He see, she actually ends up bumping into him at the toy store with his son, and she ends up kind of chastising him for his bad behavior, and he's sort of the refreshed his... The son. And he sort of is refreshed. It's refreshing for him to see her sort of taking this role in their kid's life and not necessarily like giving into all of his whims. And he says, oh, you remind me of a girl I used to know, sort of hinting at the fact that like, this is like what he, the, the woman that he's basically been looking for deep down inside. He's like, I knew you were, you know, you were still there. So it's like, we see all of them sort of like finding these guys and like falling in love with them. And we also see, like, Sadie Ratliff getting to live the full fantasy. This is a life that she wanted when she was back in that small town in West Virginia. So she's being treated like a rich, wealthy person because everybody thinks she is. And turns mm-hmm. out it agrees with her. She's Absolutely. loving she's it. Absolutely. She's loving it. And I, let me tell you, I, I would love nothing more myself, to be honest with you. Oh, my God. Yeah. No, she's to, she's got to money. come from humble a humble background and walk of into course. a situation where you're instantly wealthy and people treat you like you're wealthy, girl, sign me the fuck up. Absolutely. I and Sadie takes to it, and we get these two. This is a controversial question. I mm-hmm. always, in past viewings of this movie, I thought that there's a suit that we discover. It is an iconic item. It is a suit mm-hmm. that both women see in the lobby as they're passing through the Plaza Hotel. It is in the window. Both Sadies decide that they love this suit, and while standing on opposite ends of, you know, on opposite corners, basically, of the glass, window shopping, they both decide they have to have it. So it's... And it's a light pink suit with black It is light pink. That was going to be my question. I was going back and forth because I've always thought it was light pink, and for some reason, this time watching the movie, I was like, is it white? No, it's light pink. Okay, it is light pink. Perfect. Yeah. So it's a light pink, black, light pink and black polka dotted suit. Mm -hmm. Um, That is the suit that I think of when I think of this movie. Absolutely. It is... I, I want... I... I, this is one of Tara's favorite movies, and I've seen the cover. You know what I mean? You just like in, yeah. in my consciousness. And that suit, I absolutely remember. The most iconic suit. But as I said in the beginning, not my favorite look. My favorite look is the first Bette Midler look. Jane, Jane can't be, can't be sweating. And I won't, I won't be, um, I won't be apologizing for that on this podcast or you. anywhere else. I, I, there's some stuff you do need to apologize for. Um, aiding and abetting a war criminal, but I guess we can talk about that later. Oh, I'd love to know who. <laughs> yeah, I bet you would. Um, so as all of this is happening, the two gals end up both deciding to buy the suit, which just adds to the confusion. And then we get the scene in the bathroom, which is, I'm sure was a feat of technology at the time. You it is, can tell there are some technological things can, happening. You, you can see that there is, 
with the beginning of a lot of new um, techniques being implemented. We have the two the two sets of twins basically all ending up in the bathroom at separate times and in in four in four different stalls. And then we have the two Sadies walk out of the bathroom at similar times and they pass each other and then they come to a mirror and they're both on either side facing mirrors and it's like old school like it is old school slapstick as they like sort of pop their heads out from the sides of the mirror. And they take in each other. And every time one of them does something, the other one just instinctively does the thing. And it's a really satisfying scene. It's a really satisfying scene. It's giving first-year drama student the mirror (laughs) exercise, but amplified and done by Bette Midler. And it's beautiful. It's wonderful. It's It's like you, you... I, uh, throughout this movie, waiting the whole fucking movie for this moment, because all I want is the meeting. I just want the, I want the misunderstandings to be done. And at this point, it was like, in my head, I was like, when they find each other, like, I'm going to be disappointed about how it happens because I've won it so badly. But when it happens, I wasn't disappointed at all. I was like, this is like a beautiful moment. And, and they handled it so well. And it was so funny and just as chaotic as I wanted it to be. And just as like theater kid nerdy with that like mirror scene. It's really over the top. And also, the one thing that I love about this scene is that we never, we don't get to the real at all in this scene. Like, there's no moment where anybody's like, stop. Like, where were you born? Yes. Like, how did you come to exist? Like, there's none of that. And apparently, did you read that this is, like, there's a real case that's very similar to this? I did, That happened in, it was was Bogota. It was in Colombia, in Bogota, yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Bogota. It was like, it was a case of two sets of uh, twins where something similar to this happened. There was a wealthy uh, set of twins and then a set of twins from that were born to a family that was uh, from a rural farm uh, farm town and one and one was switched up. So mm-hmm. it was a very similar scenario to this, which I thought was really interesting. I'm, I mean, yeah. it doesn't seem actually that crazy, especially it's funny to me now too, because it's like, I feel like now I don't know 100% with the, I haven't practiced medicine in a number of years. And I don't remember what- And that what, is, <laughs> let me just say, go on the record saying that is a good thing and we are all we are better community for it but yes please go ahead there was a lot of stuff in if you look at the court papers and if you sit down and you talk to the stenographers you're going to find out that there was a lot of stuff that was mis miscommunicated there was a lot well, of stuff as that a was person, lost. as a person who was a witness against you during your trial because i had to do what was right and i had to do the 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 prosecution came to me came to me first before the defense and I had to do what I had to do and I had to tell my truth. I will say there is almost nothing in the in the papers and within the transcripts of that trial that 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 speaks to your defense. I hope that your ribbed turtleneck chokes you. Because of the, <laughs> because of the lies this is the, the words of a doctor, and ladies and gentlemen. That's right. A doctor you know. who takes an oath to do no harm is now wishing harm against me, his beloved friend and podcast host. This is the Hippocratic oath, and you're hearing it from mm-hmm. a hypocrite. So just take yeah. that into account because she cannot be trusted. Anything that she says, her reputation's mm. as, as Oh, I thought you were referring to yourself as a hypocrite, and I was like, that's no, right, because no, 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 I no, didn't no. take a Hippocratic oath. I'm not no, a doctor. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. I did. Okay. Yeah. And all you did was harm. Oh my god. It's all smoke and mirrors with this one. <sighs> and you know what? When my book comes out, then finally the truth will be I out can't there wait. for the public. I can't wait. It's like, it's like Casey Anthony coming out with that documentary. We don't need to hear her side. We heard enough. 
<laughs> oh my god, here we go. It's always a different. She it's did always a it. Diff- it's always a different tune when we're rolling, because when it's not, mm. then she's like, "Oh my god, she's one of the most complicated like heroines in like the history." <laughs> and I have to explain to Jane, she's not a heroine. She's a murderer. Allegedly. I promise you, I've never said that. So <laughs> she's a liar. Anyways. Um, but yeah, back to this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Back to this. I have to imagine they put the like. I thought they put the like the names on the babies like in the in the room. I didn't realize it. Did, it seems like I don't really know what the rule is now, because it's like I'd love for you. I to don't put know that what the rule is now, baby. but I bet it's really really difficult with all the technology these days. I mean, well, yeah, I gotta hope yeah. this is some mm-hmm. this is some some different different stuff right here. But I would like yeah. to have my twins named mm-hmm. and tagged in front mm-hmm. of me. In front of me. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. But yeah, so I'm sure this shit happened all the time in like the 30s and like the 40s. I'm sure so oh many people God. got the wrong babies. Just like As a I nurse who's had a little bit too much hooch on her lunch break with a cigarette a hanging out of her mouth. Drink a little too much pee-pee she thought was apple juice. Exactly. Had a little piss shower and then had to get back on the clock. And then just <laughs> dropping babies off in the wrong, the, whatever the closest little, the closest crib, just like here. Mm-hmm. You belong mm-hmm. to them now. <laughs> or you know about those nurses that are like the angels of mercies who are like killing kids and stuff I'm sure there's a nurse oh that was just like God. I love fucking havoc I don't want to kill them but I do want everybody to just have a weird fucking childhood so let me go ahead and put this white and baby life. with yeah. this Puerto Rican family and see what happens see how long it takes them to put the pieces together <laughs> I'm sure there's a lot to like mix into the races and all that stuff happening too and, okay. okay Jane doesn't agree um, I feel like that's maybe more noticeable than mixing up twins of a similar race oh this I'm coming from jane i don't see color hammer of course <laughs> it's convenient it works for her when, it, when she wants it to work for her. so anyway back to the movie we have them bumping into each other they quickly sort of like come to terms with it and then we get to like the nitty-gritty of like this this factory basically and so we have the two roses and we have one of the sadies the sadie the rural sadie who are all sort of in agreement that like we're family whatever the, however this happened we're sisters like we need to like mm-hmm. figure out a way to come together also one of the sisters says really quickly like you're like uh one of the sisters i think it's sadie ratliff the rural ratliff she says oh my god you're rich and then rose shelton says we're all rich now and then sadie <laughs> shelton sadie shelton gets a look on her face that says all i need to say it says we'll talk about that later <laughs> let's let's we'll we'll cross t's and dot i's after okay let's put a pin in that <laughs> yeah i don't know what you're expecting let me just say we're not divided it's not gonna be going 25 25 25 i know that um it's not gonna be an even split kids um so that's like the first thing that we get and then we get like we get like them basically having to make the decision to lot sadie shelton in a clock they went over sadie ratliff who sadie shelton is trying to basically convince like i get that the two roses don't want to do this and don't want to be a part of the selling of hollow maid but like if you align yourself with me then we go in this room right now we're gonna do this deal and we're gonna make some coin and i she says i'm gonna show you i will show you a world that you that will have your head spinning and uh it sounded tempting um <laughs> she uh she made a different decision than i probably would have uh, i'm not proud i, uh, I would have sat with the decision for a minute before we would have to have a conversation i would have been like hold on everybody stop talking for a second <laughs> I have to think this through. I know the meeting's happening, but like we can't, we can't live in, we can't live on good intentions. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? That's the thing. Look, what I do know is I'm not going. I'm not. I'm leaving here with something. In other words, Denzel Washington. I'm leaving here with something. I'm not going back to. I know I'm not going back to Jupiter Hollow. That's what I do know. That's what, what I, I do know. What I, do, what I know do know 
is I like the way this I like I like the way this plaza suite feels on my I body. I love staying in a suite. I love staying in a suite, and I I don't think I'll be going back to anything different. I would definitely be like, hey, sissy, are we going to look at like penthouses? Yeah. After this let's, deal, let's let's put about down payment on something. I'm gonna need a per diem. Mm. I'm gonna need. Is there is there like a other company? Make me make me a VP or something and just give me a salary. I'm not I, gonna, I, I will not darken your doorway. I will not show up unless there's a problem with the check. That I is will, the only time you will hear from me. If there's a problem with the check, or if you need that one extra vote to push through whatever nonsense you're pushing through. I, will be, I guarantee it. I will be I will be counting coins quietly, okay? That's what I will be doing. And you know what? I'm not I'm not proud of who I am. But I'm just saying I would have been like, hold on for a second. Let's all just breathe. Because everybody's I, making decisions brashly. Pride left the chat a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not I know I'm not going back to live like Willy Wonka's grandparents and share beds with my sisters back in uh Sleepy Hollow. I know that. So let's figure it out. But she ends up deciding to go with the two roses, and they end up locking Sadie Shelton in, like, the closet, like, a janitor's closet on this floor. Mm-hmm. And then they send in rural Sadie, and they send in NYC Rose to this board mm-hmm. meeting, and they are basically trying to convince the board that, like, they don't want this deal to go through, and they don't want the town to be stripped of resources, and they don't want mm-hmm. Hollow Maid to be closed. Mm-hmm. And... One of the things that's perplexing about this movie for me mm. is, like, I don't fully... Two things. Well, one, I Dave tried to explain to me, because I was like, I don't understand why these rich-ass people who probably have... Who live in New York are staying at the Plaza Hotel. Anyway, why don't they stay at their house? This and is Dave... my whole thing! I said at the very beginning, why are NYC, Rose, and Sadie also staying in the Plaza when they live in New York, there's no reason for them to be staying here. But Dave and- said this is rich people shit. And he said okay. that, he said okay. it's rich people shit. And he said they are probably staying here because all of the action and all of the meetings and everything is going to be happening here. And all of the wealthy like investors are going to be staying here. So they probably want to be on the property so that they are available to meet with anybody that they need to meet with quickly. And that they are able to attend any meeting that they need to attend quickly. And they don't have to worry about any traffic or anything like that. And I, And they're rich and they can. And I was like, you know what? I would have loved one line about it. Where we address it at least. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Just just let me know that's what's happening. It got a little cuckoo for a second. And we're almost done. Yeah. Um, uh, Am I still cuckoo? No, it got a little better. Okay. Okay. So, yeah. So that was my one. And then my other question was like, this is like, I don't understand what the resources are that lie beneath Hollow Maid that would call for a board meeting. This this board meeting has so many people at it. And it's like, it feels like it's a tiny factory in a rural town in West Virginia. And it's like, they've called because out. It's not, because it's not the the board of Hollow Maid. It's the board of Moromax. Moromax. No, I get it. It okay. felt like this could be maybe like more of like a phone call type thing. Yeah, but yeah, 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 yeah. I think that it's probably because of how much how much is at stake in terms of these resources. This person isn't buying the factory. This person is buying this very valuable and resource-rich mm, land. And I totally. think that's the thing that I sort of like... king to understand Mm -hmm. but i mean ultimately like the girls are successful i mean well not sadie shelton isn't successful but no but the the girls save hollow maid and they it's no skin off anybody else's back honestly besides shady shelton's although it's so just 
You're not wrong. That slip of the tongue. Um, but she also sort of falls in line. It seems like she realizes she does. She gets on board real quick because she realizes there's nothing she can do. Well, she well she realizes she's outnumbered. And if anything yeah. we know about her, we know she's a survivor. And so she's like, I'll keep it cute. Yeah, I'm not gonna mess around and lose my coin trying to trying to hold down, you know, this island of one by myself. The three of them are going with it. I don't believe she's changed at all, but I do believe mm-hmm. that she 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 saw the writing on the wall and she got. Mm-hmm. She she, she knew what she had to do. She was like, let me step and fetch real quick um, <laughs> with the gals. And um, so they all fall in line and everybody also falls in love. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody ends up with somebody. Everybody, this all happened so quickly for me, but it was okay because I was like, whatever. Like, you don't know who anybody is, but they all just exit the hotel with their new bows. And I'm like, all right, everybody found. It's like, it's like country, sa- some country shade. I can't even say her fucking name. Country, Country Sadie left with City Sadie's ex-husband. Michael. Michael. City Sadie left with the Italian businessman. Fabio. Fabio. NYC Rose left with Room. Yes. And Rural Rose left with who? Who did Rural Rose leave with? Who did Rural Rose leave with? Does Rural Rose leave with somebody? Everybody's getting some. No, that's Rural Sadie. Rural Sadie leaves with the ex-husband. I actually don't know. Does does Rural Rose leave with somebody or does Rural Rose just leave with Rural Rose? Everybody left with somebody. I feel like... Yeah, I feel like everybody left with somebody. Who would, because I feel like, yeah, you're right. Did she lose the gay couple? <laughs> oh, she's just like, we'll see what this is. She's like, hey. She's like, I, I've tossed bigger coins. She's like, I, I'm ready to make a, a modern family out of this situation. I'm sorry, I'm literally. No, I just feel like it's important to know. Was it the hotel manager? No. It's like not who she like leaves with though, is it? No. Hold on, I'm watching it. Okay. Oh, Rural Rose. Okay. <laughs> How did I miss this? Rural Rose leaves with the doctor who didn't want to commit. Family dies. Oh yeah. Did they okay. have a scene together? <laughs> I have no fucking. Oh yeah, he like proposes to her and she's like, I don't know who you are, and then like leaves. <laughs> And then, like, he's still around and is like, yeah, 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 let's leave. I'm, I'm into it now if you're into it. And it's like, okay. And it makes zero sense. That's right. I forgot. Does he even know that that's, does he know that that's rural, Rose? I, I don't know what he knows. I don't think he knows much. I don't really? think any sure. know anything. But they're just like all, everybody gets a partner. Everybody, everybody gets a, everybody realized their age. And they were <laughs> yeah. like, we need to pair off. Everybody saw that. I've got to settle down at this point. Everybody saw that the closing time was coming up at the bar. And <laughs> well, well, <laughs> menopause is whispering into Rose's ear, <laughs> and we she's know she have wants this brood of kids. So, <laughs> so yeah, so all four of our roses leave with their we leave with their guys and our roses uh, and Sadies, and all's happy in the end for the Shelton Ratliff clan as they, I guess, set about a life of I'm assuming like. Wealth and affluence, because apparently, if Rural Rose is going to be with this like doctor who lives in New York, unless he's planning on relocating to West Virginia, it seems like everybody left Jupiter Hollow. Also, <laughs> I know. 
<laughs> Everybody went where the money resides, and I can't blame exactly. them. Exactly. And that's where you can find me, too. <laughs> and, the, and Sadie Shelton apparently was like, she hitched her wagon to that wealthy Italian millionaire as well, because she was like... 100%. She was yeah. like, look, i got to divide like, this coin up with my, with my three sisters now, so I'm going to need to recoup. Exactly. Someone she's not going to want to sign a prenup, something him. tells me. It's mm-hmm. going to be an insulting to her, I'm sure. Of course it is. She'll be like, that's insulting. But she'll make him sign one. <laughs> For sure. Uh, and that is... Big business. Big uh, business. Jane, I have a question for you. Yeah. Uh, would you watch this movie again? I would watch this movie again, but I need some time in between for sure. Okay, she needs but a breather. I actually t- this so this is one of Tara's favorite movies, and she was like a little disappointed that I wasn't like as in love with it as she is. And I did like it. I did enjoy it, but the thing it, it's it's a very particular thing to my personality where I don't like that like extended extended miscommunication for so long and I mean, it, just, and the whole movie hinges on that it, the whole movie is that and so it was like i just needed to get to that part but i did enjoy it i did enjoy it's, it as a whole. it's a good time and it's a great time it's got two of the leading ladies of the 80s 100 and uh it's a blast um uh my second question to you is do you have any movies that you want for me to uh watch for you for next week i do i have a a great one on deck and okay. I can't wait for us to do it. This movie is <clears throat> the hand that rocks the cradle. Ooh. Mm-hmm. I know it's a thriller. Yep. It's got the movie cover that mm-hmm. Rebecca de Mornay, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Annabella Sciorra. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. Okay. I'm excited. I love a good pulpy thriller. And if it's in the yep. 90s, it's even better. Absolutely. Um, so I'm all about it. Wonderful. Well, <clears throat> thank you, Brandon. Thank you, listeners, for taking this journey with us, talking about big business. We hope you enjoyed it. We hope you do watch the movie. It is a good movie. If you don't have a weird thing about miscommunication, you will really enjoy it. Everybody's fantastic. Um, if you want to follow us, uh, throughout the week in between episodes, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at movies we missed and we fucking love you guys, man. Like, uh, like emotionally, sexually, like every way you can love a person, um, or group Watch out people. for that Zephyr girl. Cause I can already um, see it starting to. <sighs> Uh, yeah, and I hope I hope for all of you to be able to find your Zephyrs before next week. Shoot us, shoot, send us a DM. Let us know if you can find it. Um, if not, we will send you a very detailed, not safe for work guide. Um, uh, don't send me any. I don't want any DMs about you searching around, fiddling around for your Zephyr. <laughs> I Ugh. always, every time I say something, I always set us up for the most like horrifying things you, and you're always it's always something <laughs> filthy that you're telling the listeners to do like you always want them to dm us something like so appalling so D- all those dms need to go to jane you can send her all like the no, photos no, no, of you fiddling around looking for your podcast podcast instagram or facebook we love you we will see you next week for the hand that rocks the cradle um and we hope you have a good week love you bye 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 bye
don't see someone take a sip of the pee. And I wanted to see someone take a sip of the pee. 